Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman and Chris Peters of Flow Hockey for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. We got a lot to get into today, boys. There's uh, The season has started, the preseason anyway. We've got games to discuss. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to ask you guys about an event you both just got back from uh, in, in Pittsburgh, Cranberry technically, I guess, the USHL Fall Classic. And of course, when we talk about the USHL, we got to start with the U.S. National Team Program. Uh, two big names here. One of them is a 2024 draft eligible, Cole Iserman. James Hagens, projected to be a, a top pick in the 2025 draft. Uh, fair to say those two held serve on, on those uh, lofty expectations at this opening event. I would say so. I, I thought both played excellent. Uh, Eisenman was named USHL for the week after the tournament. Um, actually, as recording this right now, news is breaking that he is decommitting for the University of Minnesota, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but that's not really rel- related to his play in the USHL Fall Classic. What I thought was interesting too was not just how, you know, those two players looked excellent. Uh, Hagens is a dynamic skater and playmaker and Eiserman has a ton of skill and is a constant scoring threat in the offensive zone with a, with a hat trick in one of the games. I thought it was interesting that they started them on different lines. Uh, these were players that played together uh, very often throughout the course of their 16 year old season. And uh, to start the year, uh, the U.S. staff led by Nick Four had them on different lines. It looked like they were really trying to balance out the offense, although they were playing both flanks on the U.S. power play. So obviously, you know, still playing together in that regard. So we'll see whether that sticks all year or whether that was just an experimentation thing and they, they come back together after their first loss or whatever. Uh, but I thought that was interesting, Chris. It was, yeah. You know, and I, I think, you know, especially at the early stage of the season, you're going to see, I think, a lot of line experimentation. They really don't start really kind of formulating those those set lines until later in the year, unless they have a situation like last year with the U18 team 
with uh, you know Will Smith and Ryan Leonard and Gabe Perot. It just they they had kind of started clicking the year before, and they wanted them back together. Um, you know, I think uh, both Hagens and Iserman had time away from each other at various points last season, and so you know you want to just kind of try to spread the love a little bit and make sure that you know. You, like Christian Humphreys was getting a lot of time with with Iserman and, and and other players are getting opportunities so to to play with such elite players and you know I think that that's also been a bit of a philosophical shift within the NTDP within the last little bit from the guys that I've talked to is like you know you don't necessarily want to you know put all your eggs in one basket right away at the beginning of the season they don't really operate the same way that teams do while wins and losses matter I don't think that they're really focused on uh, in a, a September ushl game in terms of what they're trying to accomplish um over the course of the season but what i will say is that when when those two are together the magic happens you see it they're 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 typically going to have the puck more than anybody else whoever they're playing with is is kind of you know the beneficiary of some loose pucks or some rebounds and things like that typically um but you know i think that they're they're really incredibly skilled players they have great feel for each other um, you know, I think that they're both in the mix for the world junior team this year. Um, I don't know that both of them will ultimately make it, but, um, we did see, you know, Cole Eiserman get off to an incredibly hot start with four goals at the fall classic. And then, you know, Hagen's while he didn't have as many points, um, he was a driver and, and that's what we expect from those two guys. I think one interesting thing about keeping them apart too, is when you look at this U S uh, age group at U 18 level, I think outside of those two forwards, uh, I think that the talent drop off to the next best forward is rather dramatic. Like, I don't think as it stands now, there's another forward in this group that will be a first round pick. I'm not even 100% sure there's another forward in this group that's for sure going to be a second round pick. I mean, there probably will be by the end of the year, but I can't sit here and confidently say that. Uh, and I think that leads to maybe some, the merit of trying to spread out the offense a little bit. So you at least have Eisenman and Hagens carrying a different line. Uh, but and that's not to say there aren't good forwards on this team. Like I think there are good forwards that could work their way up. Like you know whether it's Camille Panarik, Christian Humphreys, you know, Plant, uh, like Moro, uh, Van Saggy. Like there's there's good players. But I'm not sure about you, Chris. But I didn't see coming out of that. And from watching this age group last year too, I'm not sure who the third best forward clearly is. And I think that's going to be something that's going to have to be sorted out over the coming months. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, you know, the other thing too is we talk a little bit about you know the the size factor as well. There aren't a lot of big forwards in this group. Not a lot of guys that are above six feet in this team. And you know, I think guys that did stand out that we should mention. You know, I, I really think that Christian Humphreys has a lot of tools and, and a high level of skill that's going to allow him to really you know flourish this year. Especially if they end up putting him more with with Eiserman. And that's you know while. While he can be a shooter, I think Humphreys is much more of the pass first kind of make a play um, playmaking kind of center so that, you know, I think that that's a player there. You know, there were some guys you start to see little flashes from guys as well, like Brody Zemer had a couple of really nice moments. McMorrow, who you mentioned, can absolutely fly. Um, you know, uh, Vensaji as uh, is a big forward. He's one of the few big guys in that team, so he has a little bit more of that power game. So each guy is kind of bringing a little something different to the table, but I, I completely agree with you. I think the drop-off between Hagens and Iserman and the next group is pretty significant, and it's hard to see, you know, to, to very comfortably project any of those other players into the first round this year. It's a long season. We'll see kind of where things go. Um, but of the guys early on, I really thought that Humphreys was the one that stood out the most to me. He did have the most points, but he also yeah. 
I think, made the most amount of plays. What I think is interesting about the the point Corey raises there about kind of who is the third forward is that this this NTDP U18 group seems to really be about the blue line. Obviously, you, we know about Will Scaham. We know about EJ Emery, uh, Logan Hensler. The the Hensler hype train is, is kind of in, in full steam here. And maybe he's kind of the, the one who's the story coming out of, of this event so far. Yeah, he was named Defenseman of the Week uh, in, in the USHL with uh, – with- including the big overtime winner in the first game and, and several other points in the week. And you added that he's a 6-2 defenseman. He skates quite well. Uh, he's really intelligent and skilled. Uh, and again, you're talking about this is a guy who st- is standing out already at the junior level, that he has size, and he's not eligible now until 2025. Uh, you know, Watching Hensler... It's a long way to the finish line of his draft year. We'll see if he even grows a little bit more. We'll see how his play develops. But it's hard not to think of the very best defensemen who have played at the program and think, can this guy enter that conversation? Can he enter a conversation with Zach Rowinski and Noah Hannafin? Can he enter a conversation with Seth Jones? You know, And it's, I think it's very possible when it's all said and done, he is in that conversation. But we'll see how the rest of his year goes. And he, of course, isn't eligible until the 2025 draft. So we're going to have to really wait on that one. One guy I can't believe I'd left out when just listing those names. Uh, one of the most exciting of that group is Cole Hudson. And I guess my, my question for you, Chris, is I, I've just given you four D here who I think all four have a good chance to go in the first rounds of whichever draft they're going to be in, whether it's 24 or 25. Who's the fir- who's going to be the highest pick when it's all said and done of, of those four? Or is it someone else? Well, yeah, I mean, of those of those four in terms of, you know, like I think ultimately Hensler could be the highest in, in a 2025 where he's he goes the right. highest, I, you know, I, and he's got a lot more runway. The guy that I really think that is fascinating this year is EJ Emery. I think that the sky is the limit for him. I think the upside is fantastic. He made two tremendous primary assists on goals for Cole Eiserman this year. Where there was one where he, he had a seam stretch pass that hit him right on the tape and then another one that sprung him for a partial breakaway. And, you know, he is starting to find the offensive game. His defensive capabilities are strong. He's a tremendous skater. I think there's a lot of um, – as he gets stronger, he's going to be a lot harder to play against. Um, he is one of those guys that that I just see the, you know, the toolkit that he has suggests – it just screams upside to me. Um, and so that's – and it's the same with Hensler. Hensler, it's just the ceiling on him is phenomenal. His north-south speed as a defenseman – is exceptional. I really do think that that's a separating trait for him from a lot of the defense. And we actually saw him take a puck down the left wing, cut to the ice, you know, blow past the defenseman, cut to the center for a, uh, a scoring chance that the goalie ultimately just barely got a piece of. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that he does. What's going to be interesting is, you know, Cole Hudson didn't have a great fall classic. He didn't really stand out in any meaningful way. I think that, you know, you see his his puck skills, but obviously the size is a factor. You know, he's a clear 5'10", so he's a little bit taller than Brother Lane was in his draft season. Um, you know, I think that he's he's got the tools. He's a good defender, too. Like, he's not an amazing, you know, just being at that size, it's hard to do. But, you know, that, that group is really enticing. But then you also look at Skahan just to bring it all home. And Skahan is the guy that teams are always going to be very high on. A six foot four defenseman, over 200 pounds, a, a mean player. He plays the game mean. He's physical. Um, and then he also, I think, is showing better touch on the puck this year. I think we saw him move pucks decently well. Um, I think that there is, uh, you know, the, the question I think is going to come down to, you know, hockey sense when it comes to his offensive game. 
But I do think that defensively and physically, he's so advanced for his age that he's going to be a really exciting prospect. So I do think that all four of those guys have a real opportunity to go in the first round. If we're you know looking at the very early stages and there's a long way to go, you look at what Hensler has put together over the last couple of years and, and how he's starting his season. And you're starting to see a player that's really starting to hit the hyperdrive in his development. So here's an interesting question. We've talked about Eisenman and Hagens being in the mix for the World Junior Team. Um, and this is an extremely deep group of forwards that U.S. will have to pick from for the World Juniors. Is hey, is Hensler in the conversation on what's going to be probably a very thin blue line? I I think I think you have to you have to keep Hensler and Skahan in there. Now the interesting thing is Emery cannot be in the mix for that. He is a dual citizen, and there's a certain amount of time that you have to spend in the United States before you're eligible to rep- represent the U.S. He will not meet that requirement in time for the World Juniors, so we'll take him off the table. But Hensler, to your point. As young as he is, you look at the poise that he plays with, you look at the speed that he brings to the table, and you look at the fact that that U.S. blue line is very shallow, not big. Um, you know, I think there is a chance that you can bring them. I think that the U.S. would lean older as much as they possibly can, but guys like Hensler and probably Skahan as well, and maybe even Cole Hudson, though they have a lot of guys that are kind of similar in, in size like and his brother as him. Yeah, exactly. Like Lane, you know, do you want two lanes and a Seamus Casey and, you know, whatever. But but you got basically, you know, I I think that those guys bring enough different tools, especially with Hensler being a right shot. They're a little thin on the right side of the blue line. That's going to help things a lot. So really good point, Corey. I think it's possible that one of those two guys is. And I think even Emery, had he been eligible, would have been in the mix at least. I think you could justify trying to even think about both, especially when you think about next year and you're, you're probably going to be scratching a guy anyway. Like, Chris, to your point, you know, the, the right shot, I, I think they're thin at both hands, um, especially when well, you talk yeah. about the meanness factor, right? Like, this is not this is not the strength of this year. It's what they're going to have to overcome. Right. Emery's an interesting one to me because I think, you know, Skahan, his role is defined. He's big. He's mobile. He's uh, physical. If there's even a little offense there, he'll be a first rounder. If not, he's a second rounder like Tyler Clevin was. Cole Hudson is a pure offensive type. He showed a little bit of pushback, I thought, and he's bigger than his brother. But yeah. I, either he's going to have to be an all-world puck mover to be a high pick, or he won't be, and he'll go right where Lane went or lower. Uh, Emery, to me, is the big question mark. I'm not really sure what he is yet. I think he's, you know, he's 6'3". I know he skates well, but I'm not sure. Does he have offense? Is he a super physical, super competitive guy? Uh, you saw flashes, especially at the puck moving there at this level, uh, that I didn't see at the junior level the prior year. So I, I could see him, you know, really hit the high end trajectory to be like a legit first rounder, maybe even a high first rounder. And I could see him not do that either, and maybe even fall out of the first into the second. Uh, I, I think so. He's really fascinating to me. But I did think what we saw this past weekend was very positive from every. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing on him, you know, Nick four coached Keandre Miller and he's, he said, this is, we're, we're following a very similar trajectory between EJ and Keandre because they had the athletic mm-hmm. toolkit. They had strength, they had size, they had some offense, but it wasn't perfectly evident in, and they really kind of found their way as defensemen as, as good defenders first off. And so, he he was the one that brought that up to me, and you, you kind of hear that comparison quite a bit because of the size, the makeup, the style of game. And we were saying that same thing about Keandre in his draft year, Corey, where what it what ultimately is he? 
Now we see him in the NHL. I thought he was more. I thought he had like a little bit of a nasty edge. That was more evident, though. And that's that's little, fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's absolutely and a little, fair. Maybe but a little bit, you know, a little bit bigger. And uh, but but stronger, I stronger for sure. I, yeah, yeah. So I and there was the whole like he was a former forward converted to defense right stick. And but but I like I said I like Emery and and we'll see how his year goes. One last thought here on, on especially the World Junior prospect. Does the fact that they didn't in, even invite Brady Cleveland to their camp this summer tell you that maybe the Skahan profile just might not be as much of a priority or is the talent there just so much higher that irrelevant in the conversation? I don't see how they could have invited Brady Cleveland. They basically couldn't even play with the U18 world championship. So I just don't think he was realistically on the radar until he goes to college and actually shows that he can take a regular shift. Yeah. And, and, and honestly at Wisconsin, I think, you know, Based on what they have currently, I think he'll get a decent amount of playing time. He's in a good spot, but yeah, he might be a guy that's a little bit further away. And I don't think it's anything about the profile. I think they want to get bigger. They want to have some size back there. But just the the, the player pool that they had was very, very thin, um, which is why I think that, you know, we could see one of those guys, one of these U, U18 defensemen. I think they sh- one of them at least should be in there at the camp to see how they look with those older players. Can they play with that enough poise? And, you know, it, it, maybe they go as an eighth defenseman. It's a good experience for them. But, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to see uh, exactly how it plays out. Good stuff. It'll be very interesting to watch. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about a couple more things about the Fall Classic and, and move into the preseason. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit discover bank member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky Jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card with discover Cashback debit. Everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, we are back talking about the USHL Fall Classic. And one of the goalie risers from last season, um, especially coming out of the World Junior, was Adam Guyon. And to start the season, he has picked up right where he left off, Chris. He really has. You know, I mean, the, the expectation for him is to play a ton of games this year in Green Bay. That's why he stayed, um, uh, it, you know, going the USHL route as opposed to going into the Minnesota Duluth this year. He's going to play the vast majority of games for, for the gamblers. And he played both games on the weekend, you know, looked really good. There, there was a game where, you know, Green Bay had to come back, um, but he held him in, in, in that game. Um, and, you know, they ended up winning two games this week uh, at the fall classic. And 
what what are the things that you notice about you know Adam Guy? And it's 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 his ability to play in traffic, it's his ability to play um, battle through a lot of net front uh, noise, um, tracking pucks well, you know, controlling rebounds. You know, his athleticism is obviously a, a big key. His quickness and his his feel for the game, and I think that we saw all of that as very evident. Um, he's very comfortable, it seems, in those situations when there's a lot of bodies in front and there's a lot of sticks flying at him. There's a lot of people crashing into him. He, he seems to thrive in those scenarios and he always finds the puck. So, you know, I think that Green Bay is going to be a team that has a chance to make some noise. They just added Julian Lutz from uh, the Arizona Coyotes system. He's coming over. He played last two years in Germany. Dealt with a lot of injuries, but you know that's another nice piece. They've got some other good players. Um, they actually will have end up having five draft NHL draft picks on their roster once Lutz gets there, um, and and so that's that's a good thing. I think it's a well coached team. I think that you know Guyan is going to get exactly what he needs out of this um, because he does need to play more. Quite frankly, you know he played his first season in North America last year, primarily in the North American League. Got a taste of the USHL. Had a tremendous World Juniors. Now we're going to get to see what he looks like over the course of a full season. Um, he'll still have big opportunities on big stages. Um, and, and I really do think that he's a player that that I'm fascinated by. And and certainly, you know, a guy that it, it's all about ceiling with him. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks have have made it, made a pitch to say, hey, we think he's got the highest ceiling among the goalies in this draft. And that's why they made him the number one pick among goalies uh, last year. That was interesting. That Slovakian's uh... – World Junior coach was in attendance there. Obviously, not to evaluate whether he'll be the goalie or not, but probably just to see where he's at and maybe talk to him and get in, and preparation for, for the tournament. There was other Slovak players there too who were relevant uh, for their U twenty team. But yeah, Adam's athleticism to me is the key thing that always stands out, and the thing that makes him distinct from the other USHL goalies is that he just has the ability to make the tough save that other players don't, and. Uh, for me, especially in the second half of last season, what I was concerned by when watching him was I thought there was erratic play at times, uh, oversliding and being way too aggressive. And just, and, you know, I, but I found, at least in the two games that I watched of him, that I thought his decision making was a lot cleaner. Uh, there wasn't a lot of extra movement or, or wildness in his play and his, with his, his decision making. And if he can play like that all season, uh, he's got a chance to be one of the very best players in the league this season. Always uh, interesting to talk about the Chicago Steel, especially in past years where they have had just star power like crazy. When you look at, at this year's Steel roster, Corey, maybe nothing that jumps off the page, certainly quite in the way that it has in years past. What stood out to you about Chicago at this event, and, and where do you think they kind of stand? I think we were all kind of hoping that Michael Haig, who is a is a – talented prospect that will be, I think, a you know, a, a relatively high pick in next year's NHL draft would stand out. He's a good skater. He has skill, but I thought he was just okay in the in the two games there. I did not think he was a standout player. Even like coming out of the Holinka, I had some questions from some people in the league, like why did Canada not bring Michael Haig? Did why did they not bring Sasha Boivere from Muskegon? Was it because they're when they went to the USHL? Are they anti-USHL players? Then both of them kind of laid an egg this week. You're like, oh, that might be why. It's because there there's some there's some holes in their game. Uh, and uh, I think with with you know Haig's a good player. We'll see how his year goes. Same thing with Boivere. They're both good players. But I well, didn't get any a high-end sense from watching him there. Like there was high, high-end skill and offense uh, to go with the good skating. And then you kind of look at the rest of this team, and it's just 
it's fine. Like, it's again, only two games. You want to overreact. But in terms of, like, any obvious traits, like, there's – when you watch, like, Adam Fantilli or Power on this team, it's it's hard not to notice the, the giant guy who skates really well and can make plays with the puck. Like, there's there was no obvious player like that, even though the 07 uh, Lucas Sachin people say good things about it. We'll see how he develops. I, I didn't think he had – he had some flashes, but I didn't think he stood out in, in, those, in that kind of way uh, at the event. And I just thought their blue line in general looked uh, – problematic uh, during the course of the weekend. So you know, we'll see how their year goes. But uh, when you're used to seeing like a ton of talent on the Chicago Steel, I'm not saying those days are over, but uh, it, early indication are that that's not going to be this year's team. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, you know, I think that this is, we, we've seen Chicago Steel teams be among the top scoring teams in, in the USHL. And it was, you know, they, they didn't produce a lot in this, in this, couple of days. Um, you know, I think that they're going to be a better team than they showed at this event, but at the same time, I, I, you know, there are some significant concerns there. When you move on you have guys like last year with Max Celebrini and, and Jaden Perron, there's going to be a drop off. Those are high, high end USHL players. I mean, you know, Celebrini very well could go down as one of the best ever in the USHL based on his his 16-year-old performance in one season. But, you know, I, I think that that's the bar that Chicago has set for itself. Now, it's very interesting um, to see kind of them be average. We, we just haven't seen it in the last few years. They're usually competing for Anderson and Clark Cups, um, and that is not really uh, – that, that that wasn't necessarily evident. I think that there's a lot of size issues on the team for one, you know, I didn't think that I thought that they got pushed around a little bit in some of their games. Um, one guy that I am going to be keeping an eye on this year as a, as an NHL draft re-entry. And I liked pieces of his game this year. And that's Michael Higgins, who is James Higgins's older brother and also now committed to Boston college. There were flashes in this game and, and he was a player that was down their lineup last year he didn't get the, the the ice time. He didn't necessarily get the points that you would expect from a guy that can move pucks decently well, has some good skating ability. You know, you can see the skill. Um, he's six, you know, listed at six foot. You know, he's 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 a little bit on the lighter side, but I did think he looked thicker this year, a little bit stronger. Um, and that is a guy that I think could be one of those players we watch kind of progress over the course of the season. But yeah, I mean, you look at Haig, you look at, you know, uh, just – you mentioned Sachin as well. There were some 16-year-olds that really, really stood out in this event. He wasn't one of them, you know. So that doesn't mean that he won't later on, you know. I mean, there's a lot. He, he you could see the flashes of his hand skills, and and you know, we're obviously familiar with his brother Grayson, who was a second-round draft pick last year, a third-round draft pick last year. So you know, that was um, there's 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 something there. So we'll wait and see. I mean, Chicago tends to kind of develop over the course of the season, but yeah, it's not it's not the Chicago Steel of old. It doesn't seem. I do agree with you about Hagens. I think he could be a re-entry. One other player I want to highlight before we move on that I liked in the classic, at least the guy who I think could be a riser this year uh, on Waterloo was John Mustard, um, you know, which uh, I think will, you know, it's a great hockey name that I think could lead to all kinds of nicknames. Uh, but I think, you know, he's 6'1", he skates well. I thought he showed some hand skills. Uh, he got only the the one goal, but I thought there was some, he able to generate some opportunities there with, with his skating. It's a really intriguing uh, skill package there, and like I said, there's a there's a lot of opportunities there for for, for some some good old fun. Uh, you know, I thought John Mustard relished the opportunity there at the at the Fall Classic, and uh, I I knew you were going to do that, and I, I I do appreciate that he didn't hot dog after he scored that goal too. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh darn it! You gotta stop this. 
Matt, um, stop this. Get this podcast under control. I, I will pivot us, but I just do need to point this out because when I was looking at the Steels roster a second ago, this is the all bloodlines team of the USHL. We've got Lucas Sachin, we've got Jordan Brisson, we've got Michael Hagens, and then we've got Thor Bufflin, second cousin of Dustin Bufflin. The other guys are all brothers. This is the all and, bloodlines team. This yeah. is what they Thor, Thor Bufflin actually scored one of the better goals of of the of the Fall Classic too in that game that they ended up sneaking away with an overtime win. So. So Shout out to go. Thor Bufflin, who is not at all close in size to Cousin. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, let's move now to the NHL preseason. Uh, just getting underway here, but there are some names that, are, that have started, I think, uh, get onto the radar, catch some attention. And I want to start in Buffalo, where obviously there's probably a couple guys we could start with here, but we got to start with Devin Levi. Two periods of shutout hockey on Tuesday night against the Bruins. Not the most NHL-heavy lineup, per se, from the Bruins, uh, but pretty impressive nonetheless, Corey. Yes, and he looked really good. He made some tough saves in that game. And I think Levi is one of the more interesting young players going into the NHL season. Because it seems like all indications are that he is somebody that the Buffalo Sabres are looking at to be a really important player for that team. And that is interesting for a number of reasons. Is because this is a guy who is relatively inexperienced at the pro level. Yes, he's got that little bit of experience from, from late last year. And he, you know, I think he was what the third goalie at the Olympics, something like that. So he has some men's experience from there, but this is not a guy who frankly has seen a lot of professional shooters. And I know they have some other goalie options. They have Uko Pekalukin and they have Eric Comrie. Uh, but this is a team who I thought the biggest issue with Buffalo last year was their goaltending. I know their defense was suspect, but the goaltending, I thought, in my opinion, was the biggest issue. And I thought that was the issue that over the last year and a half that they needed to address to become a legitimate playoff team. And I think their solution to that problem seems to be Levi, who is a very good prospect. He's very athletic, extremely intelligent, you know, incredible numbers at the collegiate level. But, you know, so was Caden Primo. Like, it's like, and, and, like, there's other goalies over the years. Like, he's like Swayman eventually became good, but he needed the year in the American League first. It's, it's like, it's just a very, I think it's very interesting how early they are giving him the reins, Chris. What, what do you think? I, I agree completely. And I think Devin Levi is an exceptional goaltending prospect. I really do. Um, I, I just think that is a position where you can get it really wrong. Um, and I think that that, and you can get it wrong by too much too soon. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, it's a, a position where confidence matters so much and where mentality matters so much. And if things don't go well on a team that has expectations with pressure on them with a rookie goaltender, that's where things go sideways. However, what I will say, the thing that I think makes Devin Levi special as a player is I think he is mentally strong. I think he's a highly competitive individual. And I think that he is able to have a short memory in terms of, you know, he, he he doesn't he's not the kind of goalie that he'll have a bad game and then he's awful. Like in college, he had a few bad games and every single time he returned with either one or zero right. goals against in that. So he's a he's, he's got that bounce back ability, but it's harder to do at the NHL level. Um, there are just there just isn't much precedent for what we're seeing right now, not in the modern NHL. You look at you know teams are are starting goalies in the ECHL. There's they're they're trying to gradually bring them along. And, and let them kind of mature into their their game. But I, if if there is a goalie that's going to be able to handle this, I think it is Levi. But it's just how do we – you know, it's it's very hard to know. Goaltending is as volatile as it is. 
And now we're, you know, we're yeah. putting in a player that yeah. we just haven't seen much yeah. precedent for. He could have success, but he may need to have success in a tandem role too to start again. He's only right. 21 right. years old. I, I'm just surprised. And I know they have, I know they have UPL. I know they have Cobry. I'm just surprised that in this off season, they didn't go out and look for a, a legitimate, you know, backup option. And, you know, that, you know, so that there was a plan B in case we get a month or two months of the year and it's clear that Levi is fighting it as a rookie in the NHL. Very fair. Uh, I don't want to make too much of any preseason game, certainly not a, a 10-0 preseason game where one team looks like a majority NHL lineup and one team does not. But when I see Matt Coronado put, in, put up a hat trick and added an assist in that game, Corey, I can't help but uh, take note of that. Yeah, and there's three young forwards competing for jobs in Calgary. We presume Samuel Hontex going back to Vancouver. We, you know, we kind of knew that Coronado, Connor Zeri, and Jacob Pelche are all, are all fighting for, for for a small amount of ice time there in Calgary. And it looks and, and that's a you know a great opening statement by Coronado, who you know did show well with the men's team with USA last spring, and seems to have a lot of traits with his skating and his compete that you think will translate to the pro game. Uh, you know, again, he's been the kind of guy who's just continued to score wherever he's gone. And even though he doesn't always have the flashiest of toolkits, uh, you know, this is a very promising start to his preseason. And, and we'll see how he kind of carries it out throughout the rest of it. Adam Fantilli was one of the big stories coming out of the uh, Traverse City Prospect Tournament. I thought he looked outstanding there. Um, and against the Penguins uh, lineup uh, a couple nights ago, again, not the strongest of lineups. It's going to be a theme here, but he tacks on a couple assists right away and you know, I think it's fair to say he looks like he's ready to go in the NHL. Uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> um, you know, and I think I think some of the things that that we've seen from him is just the the maturity. You know, I mean, he is his ability to just kind of have the confidence that he had in college. Sometimes it gets him in trouble. Like sometimes he'll he'll make plays that are a little too complicated. Um, he has a tremendous amount of faith in his ability to make plays. But you know, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got that, and and I think that. It's so it's such a breath of fresh air for Columbus to have a player that is so confident in himself, so understanding of what he is and what he needs to be, and who is really embracing the pressure that's on him to be the you know the future face of this franchise. Um, the fact that that Columbus has veteran talent around him to insulate him and to make him better is another key factor in why I think he's going to have success this season. Um, and and I think that, it, you know, w- whether that's a Calder caliber season or not is irrelevant because I think if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, the most important thing right now is to continue this build, continue building up these players and making sure that they are filling roles that they are ready for and, and can, can continue to compete in. I think Adam Fantilli is, you know, exactly what this organization needs at this very time. Um, Not just because what he does on the ice, but also just because of who he is and how he operates. And I think it's gonna be a fun year for, for them to follow him and to kind of see where he goes. Cause I think that there's high, high potential for him to have a lot of success this year. And a major distinction between him and Connor Bedard's situation going into this year um, will be the supporting cast. At least the early indicators are, based on just the last preseason game and some stuff about the camp, is that Fantilli could start with Patrick Line and Alexander Texier, uh, which, you know, is a, is a decent amount of talent, particularly playing with Line and, and and how those two could connect. And obviously, you know, we'll see what happens with Leo Carlson and Anaheim and, and if he starts there and, and who he starts with. Another guy out of Traverse City who I think has made some some big noise so far in this preseason is Easton Cowan. 
Uh, he gets the goal, but I, I was reading some of the, the, the Sheldon Keefe quotes afterwards, and he's been really impressed by this player, uh, jumping right in, in into NHL hockey and, and getting Keefe to want to use him a lot. Yeah, I mean, he got a lot of uh, scoring chances in the one game, really good Traverse City tournament, followed by a very good first preseason game. Uh, he's a very interesting player because we've talked about him a lot on this podcast since he was a first round pick by Toronto. Is is the player profile? He's you know he's, he's barely five eleven forward. I think he's a good skater. I don't think he's an incredible skater. He showed offense. You know he's gradually shown more offensive touch. You know, including the point per game playoff there for London, where he was a very important part of why they went to the finals. Uh, you know, he's a high compete type. Everyone loves that. Everyone loves hockey sense. The question is the projection. When you look at that athletic profile, it's like, what is the projection there at the end of the day? Is he a third line forward? Can he be, can he be more? I think that, I think, again, the people who like absolutely love him will say, you know, well, there's some similarities between him and Anthony Sorelli at the same age. There'll be others who say, I've seen this player a lot and he ends up being, you know, a bottom six forward. So I, I, but the strong start, and if he consistently shows offense, he's probably, you know, very likely going back to London and we'll see how his season goes. Um, but, you know, you can see some similarities between him and say Owen Beck, maybe at the same age where Owen Beck seems to be having a very similar profile and a lot of positive things being saying about him as a potential middle six forward. So I can see the analogy there too. He was one of the more kind of, I guess, uh, controversial, maybe the wrong word, uh, people surprise picks of, of the 2023 NHL draft. Uh, another earlier on to, to the public, I think, was Nate Danielson, and he, he got a lot of reaction for where he went. I think, Corey, you were on him in that range for for a long way here, and I've watched him through rookie tournament through camp and, and now through his preseason debut. I think he's off to a really good start. Looks like the complete, big, fast 200-foot center um, that you know the Red Wings certainly are hoping he would be. Yeah, and we'll see how the rest of his camp goes. But uh, I watched that first preseason game against Pittsburgh, and just kind of looks like the same thing, just with better players around him. And he looks like a you know a legit NHL player. I think there will always be a question of whether there's going to be elite offense with this player. But I still think even if there isn't, even if, even if he's like a 50, 60 point player, which is still quite a bit of offense, uh, that I think he can be a really important part of an NHL team. Maybe not this year, but but in future years. But I, I do think everything I'm seeing is if there's any questions that he looked like he's going to be a world junior player for Canada, I think he is definitely a world junior player for Canada. Obviously going to be more rookies, yet more young players that look really good in the preseason. We will uh, get to those. We're recording this on Wednesday. So if, if your team's prospect did something on Wednesday night, Thursday night, and we didn't get to it here, we apologize. We will try to get to them. Uh, we'll be doing more of these, safe to say. So uh, we're going to take another quick break, and we're going to come back and take some questions. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first a word from our friends at Grammarly. And look, we are professional writers by trade, so we know that communication is the key. And maybe you're not a professional writer, but Grammarly can make you more confident in your writing and make you a little bit more efficient and help you work day to day at your job. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can have that bigger impact at your place of work. Think about this. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. That's a pretty good stat. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and your context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions, tailor-made for you. Their tone suggestions, they'll even help you navigate even through the most difficult conversations at work. You can save time with one click, go from editing drafts in hours 
to seconds. Talking about stats, 93% of professionals using Grammarly Premium report that it helps them get more work done. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, we are back and we are back with our first mailbag in what feels like a while. Uh, So we're going to get right into it, starting with Chris. Maxwell Long wants to know, other than right D, what are the Blackhawks going to target in coming drafts and what archetype is missing from their prospect pool? Very interesting. I I think I got this question on my own podcast recently, too. So maybe from the same person. However, um, you know what I think there I I mean, really, I think right shot defenseman is still a very much needed thing that they are going to continue to go after. What I do think that the Blackhawks are going to need to try to build up a little bit more and they have some of this already. But I think that having options Uh, is helpful is more, you know, some of those power scoring kind of power wingers. They have some good players. Um, You know, Gavin Hayes is a heavier forward. Colton Dock is a heavier forward. You know, they they have some guys that have size, but I think having some some of those guys bringing in some more speed, bringing in some tenacity, um, guys that are going to kind of help insulate some of their smaller skill players. You know, Bedard is not a big guy. Lucas Reichel is not a big guy. Um, You know, guys that can kind of play on the flanks with them. They're starting to they're doing that right now with their veteran kind of stopgap guys, but they're going to need players that are on entry level contracts that are going to be able to to do that as well. Um, You know, I think that they feel they have to feel pretty confident about the fact that, you know, they've got high high end skill players, um, particularly at the center position, and then also have, you know, a number of guys on on the left side of the defense that are going to be big time players for them. Um, So, you know, I, I think the right shot D is really going to, I think, going to be their big focus. But if you can get bigger at forward, I think you'd want to as well. I think it's, yeah, same thing. Size of forward and I think on the blue line. They have a lot of defense prospects, but outside of Kevin Korchinski, I don't think there's a premier guy. And that's, right. I think, a priority. And probably will have a good opportunity in this year's draft, depending on where they pick. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's not a right shot D, but there is certainly a a big left D climbing up the boards of, the, of this coming draft class. And Nabil Raymond wants to know, Corey, for your thoughts on fast rising defender Anton Siliev. Uh He's in Bob McKenzie's initial top 10 rankings. He's six foot seven. 
And this kid just keeps scoring in the KHL. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, he's got, as we record, six points in 10 games in the KHL, although I think not not any in the, in the last few games. Uh, like I said, he's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, not only is he 6'6", six, six, but he is actually you know reasonably mobile for a guy his size. He is very physical. So, I mean, it's hard not to watch him. And not like get excited by all the things he can do and the massive pro potential he has. I think like if you just ask me to watch these ten games and say where does he fit in the draft, I'm like oh well he's a top five pick. It's not even a question, not a question. Uh, but it's only been ten games, and this is also a guy who I thought was very good at the junior level for a sixteen year old on a, on a on a top MHL team last year in Russia. But he's also a guy who only had eight points over the entirety of his of his junior season as a sixteen year old. Again, even though we got deep a junior team, but you know, and then all of a sudden he's scoring in the KHL. So you want to see he's actually on Torpedo's power play, and Torpedo is a good team. Uh, I think they've only lost one game so far this year. So it's yeah. just again very impressive. Again, he's playing power play, penalty kill at the KHL level on a good team. Early indicators are extremely impressive. Like I would not rule out how high he can go on the draft. Again, he can go top ten. He can go top five. He can go higher than that. Like he could be in the conversation with the very best names in this draft. But it's still only September, and let's kind of see how his next month goes and if he can maintain that level against men as as a young player. Seems like a good draft to need a defenseman. Uh, Chris Charlie Douglas wants to know what are some strengths and weaknesses of the various pro and junior leagues developmental paths. For example, is a certain league a good path for players who need to work on their defensive game, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's always such an individual thing. It really depends on the player and and, and what they can get out of different things. I think that, you know, we're starting to see what, what I would say is that based on where all of these players are going, there is no one right path. Yeah. Um, and there is no significantly better path. That's the other thing that I think like there is no clear number one developmental arm. You can say the numbers in Ontario are are big for the OHL. That's true. They're they're dealing with one of the largest populations of players anywhere in the world as well. So that's that's the way it should be. Um, you know, you could certainly talk about college hockey and being the, you know, giving those guys a little bit of a longer kind of timeline that allows them a little more time to develop and maybe it's better for playing against men. Maybe they need to get build strength. You know, that's kind of been the, the argument for college hockey is we don't play as many games, but we have more practice time. We have more development time. We have more uh, strength training time. And we also are giving you world-class facilities, world-class training, um, world-class nutrition, like all those different things. And and the junior ranks are catching up with that in certain ways, too. And a lot of players are taking it upon themselves to do that. What I would say is like, you know, for for every player, they have to make their own decision. They have to make it based on their level of comfort, whether it's staying close to home, whether it's, you know, there's a certain style of play, whether it's chemistry with a coach, um, circumstances, everything in, in development, where you are, where you put yourself and what the work that you put into it is everything in development. You there, so, you know, you can't, there's no league that is going to fix you. If you are defensively deficient, there is no league that is going to make you a superstar forward. Um, Usually those guys are already kind of figured out. It's what do they, what tools do they give you? So I would say there's really no, no right way for a player of any, any kind, because I think that the NHL teams are now so involved with development as well, where they make these kind of decisions that 
hey, you know, like player X, we we would love to see him go to major junior because we think he needs more games. We think he needs to play in a pro environment. Um, we'd love to see this guy go to college hockey because he needs to get a little bit stronger. I mean, the, you're not hearing that argument as much. There used to be, you know, the CHL used to say we're the fastest route to the NHL. And for a period of time, that was true. But how many one and dones and two and dones in college are we seeing now with or, or guys that are going straight? You know, we don't see it often where they go straight from like the USHL to the NHL. But it's usually some of those guys, it's two, three years after that. That's not that that's not really that long. There are plenty of guys that play four years in the major junior ranks. So um, it's it's a I think that question has gotten easier to answer over the years because there is not as big of a gap as there is. The coaching's better, the training is better, what players are doing on their own time is much better. And I think that we're dealing with just a higher caliber of player in general across the board. Um, because there's this culture of athletics that has has now permeated where these kids are doing these things a lot younger and a lot better. So, you know, it's maybe that's not a great answer to the question, but I, I, I think that's kind of where we're at right now. No, I think it is a great answer, but it, it does have, it does leave me with kind of a follow up for you. I'm just going to tack sure. this on. So I, I think about like a, a good environment for a player who needs to work on his defensive game or whatever, but what about a player who maybe the, the question on him is how much offense do they have? Is that a player who you think if they, okay, if they go back and they play junior hockey, that that's going to be good for them. Or is that the kind of thing where it, it you're not going to just you know appear offense because you're playing against worse competition? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I mean, if you wanted to go to a league where you're going to point up and get confidence, that's maybe one thing. Like we've seen plenty of guys that you know struggled to score in one league, go to another, and then they point up a little bit. But did they did that benefit their development? It didn't in almost all cases. Um, there isn't a lot of things that they can do at, at, at there's not a lot of, that any coach can do for you. Um, it's just, you know, some guys it's going to be strength. Sometimes it just clicks in their brain with their hockey sense. Um, you know, so it's really difficult, but I do think, you know, certainly, you know, there are leagues that you can get a little more time and space. You can figure that out. But when you get to the NHL level, that's all gone. So, you know, if you, you're going to have to kind of find it yourself. Um, I don't think there's any league that could bring that out of a player. Yeah. Almost might as well learn to do it, how how it's going to have to be done at the higher level. Right. Right. Corey, Logan Horn wants to know your thoughts on medicine, uh, on the medicine hat tigers duo of Caden Lindstrom and Andrew Basha as the clock starts ticking for 2024. Uh, Lindstrom's a really intriguing pro prospect. 6'3", skates well. Um, I, you know, he was just okay for Canada, Holinka, but with, with medicine hat, uh, he plays a bigger role and, uh, you know, I think has shown more offense there. I think he had something like 40 points there last year. Uh, and I think he's he's you know gone off to a decent start again this season. He had a multi point game against the Hitman. I think in the second game of the season, got into a fight actually with other fellow top rated prospect Cardio Kemchuk in the in the first game against the Hitman. Uh, I think the hockey sense is just okay with his game, but he's got a legit shot, legit skill. Uh, I think he's got a strong chance to be a first round pick, and if he has a really good year, maybe even a high first round pick. Basha, I really don't know that well. I watched one of those games. And his skating and his work ethic stood out, but he's not the biggest guy either. So you got to see much offense and how much skill is in his game. Uh, but uh, he's intriguing because because of, of this because of those other elements I mentioned. Another 2024 pick uh, that the people want to know about, Chris Patrick McConnell wants your thoughts on Henry Muse. Is he going to get top 15 consideration? Ooh, well, it's interesting because we've talked about all these top defensemen. Um, I like the player a lot. You know, I think that he's steady. I think he's reliable. I think there's good hockey sense there. I think he's got that that two way capability. Um, you know, I think ultimately we're gonna have to wait and see on on that in terms of 
the the top 15 consideration. I think that there's certainly a path for him to be among the top defensemen selected just because I think he's such a smooth operator in terms of, you know, the way that he plays and the and the confidence that he plays with. He's he was one of those guys that really popped last season where we got to see, you know, at the under 17 challenge and the different things that he did where he really did kind of stand out among the group. Um, and now we're going to have to wait and see exactly how he progresses over the course of the season. Because when you talk about guys like Cilia, when you talk about Artem Levshunov in, in, in Michigan State, or you talk about even in his own league with, with, with Dickinson and all these other players that are going to be, you know, we're going to have to be tracking. Um, I do think that that's a player that, that is going to be, he, he just checks a lot of boxes and I think he's a very easy player to like and see the pro potential. Um, is he the super dynamic? amazing offensive, you know, guy, maybe not, but I do think that his two-way skills and his overall poise with the puck and his hockey sense are key contributing factors to what will keep him as a top prospect this year. All right. And then last one is from William who wants to know, why does the athletic have a vendetta against the Capitals? Corey, I'm going to assume this one's directed to you, but I also kind of would love to hear Chris's take on it. I don't know if it's like directed towards me. It may just because we had some national pieces lately um, with where uh, our national writers have been going through their season previews and uh, the player tiers. And I guess I and whether there was, I'm guessing the there was less either cap of representation in the player tiers or a lower rating for their projected points this year than maybe this uh, reader wanted to see. And in their I think in their prospect pool rating, I don't think I've been too harsh on them given the lack of picks they frankly have i've i like Mirostachenko, i like mcmichael lapierre yeah but uh but i but i like uh but i like vinnie iorio quite a bit i think he's gonna play and and have and have a long nhl career as uh, so, and obviously i think ryan leonard's a really good player i don't think i've been that harsh on washington i think the issue of washington is just they are heading uh for a for a rough landing here where they've got a really old core. They didn't make the playoffs last year. I don't think they've really substantially added since then. They haven't had a lot of picks and I just, eventually they have to make the hard turn here. And it's just a matter of, of when they are ready to do that. I don't know. Do either of you two think they're a playoff team this year? No, I would have a hard time seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. And uh, yeah. So I guess, I guess he's right. Vendetta, uh, vendetta confirmed. It's confirmed. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think I think Washington and Pittsburgh both have like that really interesting predicament. Obviously, Pittsburgh's going for a little bit more. They had Riley Smith, they had Ryan Graves, they had Eric Carlson. They should be a better team this year. Uh, it, I think both those organizations face a really interesting question of when do you really pivot and and how do you really pivot when you have Ovechkin and Crosby and yeah. what you owe to those guys and their importance to your organization to the city. I don't know what the answer to those questions are, frankly. Yeah. And nobody's going to feel bad for you. You know, nobody, nobody's going to give you any sympathy because there's been, you know, this great, you, you've gotten to enjoy Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin and, you know, all the other great players that have been there. And so, yeah, but that's the thing. The dark ages are probably coming. Um, you know, Chicago well, I, is in that now and, but they got Connor Bedard. So now. Well, well Max kind of sure. lived through this a little bit with Lidstrom, Datsuk, Zetterberg. Like, how was that pivot perceived in Detroit? That was a little before I was really around the beat. So I was like, I was in the state, but I, you know, I what I remember certainly in in the early years of my beat, there was a lot of hindsighting on it. Of you know, you, 
they should have blew this whole thing up sooner. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think Washington is in a similar spot with Ovechkin, where you can't just, you know, Rebings actually did trade away Datsuk, but it was after he was done playing in the NHL. I don't think anyone in hindsight would have told him to trade like a Zetterberg, and Ovechkin is an order of magnitude more significant than, than a Zetterberg. So, uh, I, I, it's it's just the ugly years. It's the cycle. It's what happens. Pittsburgh's in for it too. They just might get they, Carlson might have bought them an extra year or two before they're in that spot. Yep. all right that is going to do it for us thanks for listening to this episode of the athletic hockey show prospect series you can also catch more of chris and his yops over at flow hockey and his podcast talking hockey sense you can follow us on youtube at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show gonna have a lot of content going up there this season you are not going to want to miss it we'll talk to you soon Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.